0: You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very change makers that make it happen. Welcome to episode number four of the Behind the Impact podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In this episode, Christina Louie-Dyer, head of social impact at Lobb, joins me to talk about how she built Lobb's philanthropic arm, Lob.org, from scratch. Let's get into it. Christina, welcome to Behind the Impact.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Excited to be here.
0: Excited to have you. Excited to talk about everything you've been doing at Lobb. Before we get into Lob and what you've been doing there, where I first want to start off at is your background. How did you get into social impact?
1: Oh, it is a great question. And I really feel like it was a combination of different paths crossing. And so I started my career actually thinking I was going to go into nonprofit. And had thought that since high school. I had always been very active in engaging in the community and you know, in college. I was the person running demonstrations and getting signatures uh, for legislation that I cared a lot about. And I always felt like that was the natural progression of, of where my career would go. I ended up through a mentor deciding to teach through Teach for America. And I spent the first couple of years of my career teaching first and second grade and I really love that experience. It's been really foundational for what I do and actually how I approach my work today. And I realized after I would say the first year that I, I didn't necessarily see my long term being in the classroom. And so while I still carry a really deep passion for education and youth, um, I decided to take my career in a different direction. And I had grown up in the Bay Area. I you heard about this world of tech. It's not the area where I thought it would end up, but I started to have conversations and talk to mentors and ask them more about what they do and and what they were thinking about and how I might move into tech myself. And so I found myself at the end of my teaching actually moving into a recruiting role. And so I felt like this was a good place to start because it would give me access to all of the different parts of the business. I could learn a little bit more about you know, marketing and customer success, which I, you know, I I knew nothing about. And so it was really for me, the opportunity to get a sense of like, what does the corporate world look like? And what are some of the opportunities available thinking, okay, maybe I'll find where I'm supposed to be. And what's funny is, you know, I, the more time I spent there, I love the fast pace. I love the innovation, but you really can't move too far away from what really drives you and what your passions are. And so pretty quickly, I, started to inquire about how I might get involved in running some volunteer opportunities, asking, you know, what what is Box doing? How can I help? Uh, Okay, that isn't happening. Where can I step in? I'm happy to lead some of these different programs. And it started to build organically from there. And so I know this is very common in this space is someone identifies that there's a need and then they start to go build it. And so that was really my path as well. Box.org existed at the time. So Brian Breckenridge was, was building out, um, especially from the, the um, perspective of how do we support more nonprofits with our product? And so I really got to fill in the, how do we engage our employees? And what does that look like in terms of building meaningful programs for them? And so I did that on the side of my recruiting role for about two years. And so, you know, I was, I will call out, I was at a place in life where I could spend the extra hours uh, each day to really put the time and effort towards it because I was working two jobs essentially trying to build this out. Um, and after a couple of years, I realized that there there was an expiration date of really being able to do that. And fortunately around that time is also when when Brian was able to get headcount and I was able to move over to his team full-time and to make what I was doing on the side my full-time role. And so from there, it went from, you know, thinking about employee engagement to, um, Thinking about how we go even deeper in terms of more skilled volunteering, uh, better supporting our nonprofits through employee time. So we built something called the the coaching course. We could support organizations that were leveraging Box, but making sure that they actually had uh, someone to help kind of coach them through uh, a proper implementation, so they could really leverage Box um, for for their organization. And so my role continued to grow. I always joke that it was more of like a chief of staff of social impact role, uh, because as you, as you know, there are so many different ways that social impact programs can start to grow. And just given the environment and wanting to make sure that we're also responding to what employees care about and what is top of mind for the you know, greater society, it, it's really something that is constantly evolving and changing and, and that's the fun of it. And so then from there, I actually went to Lob uh, about four months ago And have the opportunity now to really build and grow our programs focused on social impact and sustainability.
0: So when you decided to make that career transition from recruiting into social impact, how was that conversation internally with, you know, the powers to be um, to enable you to do both worlds at the same time?
1: It's it's a great question. And I I struggled with that. You know, I was new to tech. I was earlier on in, in my career and I had this reservation that if I shared too much about what I was doing in the area of social impact, that it might look reflect poorly on my day job. And so I made a really concerted effort to make sure that I was hitting all of my goals from a recruiting standpoint and actually exceeding them, so that there was never a question of can I make sure that I am, you know, meeting all of the things that the business needs me to meet in addition to this area that I believe also has very clear, you know, business impacts, but for now, um, you know, is not necessarily my job. And so that's where I say, you know, I was fortunate that I was able to put in that time because I know not everyone is in a place where they can, you know, do their job from, you know, till seven or so, and then work another five or six hours on that. So it was definitely a lot of work, um, but I I made sure to really make sure I was hitting those, those goals and the expectations of my manager. And then in those conversations of my career, I was really open about it. Not immediately. I would say in the first year, I was kind of keeping it to the side. But after a year of realizing, okay, I think this is the direction I want to go, I started to weave that into my development conversations and say, hey, I'm fully committed to my recruiting role. At the same time, I know that where I want to go is towards this this social impact role.
0: Transparency is very underrated.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everyone was really supportive. I think that's the thing is I sat there wondering, okay, is my boss gonna be okay with this? And in reality, you know, they always know more than you give them credit for. And they saw the extra hours I was putting in. And so while they were excited and happy that I was meeting the goals that they set forth for me they also wanted to see me grow. And they were personally invested in that as well. And and knew that for the long term, that supporting my goals was ultimately going to be better for the business too, because it wasn't that I was looking to leave the organization. I was looking to add value in a different way.
0: And the beauty of, of this all is when you think back on you being a child or, or in growing up and thinking that you're going to be in the nonprofit space, you actually figure out a way to get into that space and not necessarily nonprofit, but the social impact element. And it's, that's just interesting how you managed to get to that point.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people don't get to use their, their degrees. I studied community and regional development. And when people would ask like, what are you going to do with that? I, again, that was when I was thinking I move into nonprofit. I was like, well, it's very clear. And then as I was moving out of that, I, I started to question, well, how oh, do I really leverage what I learned in college? And it couldn't be more clear to me that I use my degree actually every day because it was really about the intersection of how nonprofit, local government and businesses how they actually work together and again that's exactly what I'm thinking about on a day to day basis
0: so now you're with lob and you're hired to build lob.org the social impact arm of lob can you talk a little bit about the program and how you you envision it morphing over time.
1: So Lob Lob.org is building upon what was started by employees before I joined the company. So Lob, Lob for Good was the original program and it was focused on how organizations that were fighting for racial justice, uh, both for profit and nonprofit, can leverage Lob for for their work. And that really started to create momentum for the role uh, that I would eventually be hired for to really think about how can we do this more broadly and how do we weave this into the core of what we do? You know, one thing I'll, I'll call out is Lob recently announced our Series C, we just hit 150 employees, we're very much a startup. And so for our leadership team to be listening to employees and seeing, yeah, this is really important and it's something that we can invest in now as we, and, and so that as we grow, it's really a part of what we do. And for me, that is really exciting because I've seen a lot of times where you have to go back and try to build this into existing processes. But now I can actually proactively say, hey, here are the things I think we can do uniquely with our direct mail platform, with our employees and what they care about. And here's how that's going to grow with us so that as we become more successful, we are actually really ingrained in this idea of uh, change and, you know, making sure that our success proportionately grows our impact. And so, you know, what I'm thinking about now is, yes, it's great we have our product. Um, again, it was really limited before. So in the last couple of weeks, we've opened it up to any eligible orga- any eligible nonprofit and then continuing to open that up to uh, for-profit organizations who, again, are focused in our areas of racial justice and now expanded to civic action. Um, and the reason we decided that was a, another focus area for us as we saw after the most recent uh, major election year that mail is often used for uh, voter registration and engagement it's used for uh, individuals and constituents being able to communicate with their elected officials it's really a channel for change and communication that i think we overlook a lot of times and i think with like text messaging and email everyone automatically goes to okay, well, who uses mail anymore? But it's really powerful. And so what I wanna make sure we're doing is thinking about what are the organizations that we can continue to support and go deeper with in partnership that are leveraging mail for for change. And so that's really kind of the focus of of lob.org. And then in the areas of racial justice and civic action, we are trying to double down in partnerships. So that's what I'm really focused right now on is, is having conversations with organizations, figuring out how we might, what, what partnership might look like given our stage now, and then knowing that those partnerships will grow with us. Um, and then the third piece is sustainability. So you can't look at, you know, you can't look at direct mail without kind of questioning like what are the environmental impacts of this? And so we want to be, you know, the most sustainable mail uh, offering. And so we're looking at our processes, our partners, our overall like, supply chain to really figure out how can we build sustainable practices into what we do now so that as we grow, we can continue to be even more sustainable. And those are kind of the things top of mind for, for me right now.
0: And how are employees involved in org, if at all, um, in terms of you know participating in the community and things like that?
1: So this started as employee-led and it will continue to be very much so. I would say that I, again, have the opportunity to lead lob.org, but it is by no means something that is mine. It is definitely something that is the company and employees. And right now, all of the programs that we're running have employees involved. And so what the beauty of this to me is that I get to work across the organization. I have weekly meetings with employees who are passionate about approaching this from different Angles and and what i've seen in the past is that you know at box, we had our our committee leads and they would lead the volunteering in each of their regions. What i'm excited about here is we have folks who are very much interested in driving some of those employee engagement opportunities, we also have folks who are excited about thinking about what. um, Product features, we need to add, and so we're actually looking at this from very different. perspectives and employees are jumping in on different projects. And so that's been new for me is figuring out, okay, how do we lead a very diverse set of projects that are all very much employee led. And that will continue to be the core of, of how we operate lob.org is that it's really across the business. It's inclusive of all employees that want to be involved and um, is definitely company driven.
0: So lob.org was officially launched recently. So within the timeframe of you joining the company to launching lob.org, what were some of the hurdles that you might've come across as you're trying to to scale the program?
1: Oh yes. (laughs) Let's see. So we launched about a week ago and that was four months into me joining. And so it's been a really rapid journey, I would say, but overall Overall, our leadership team has been incredibly supportive. And that was really important to me. It was clear to me when I joined the company. One, because they were investing so early on in, in a head of social impact. But two, you know, as I was onboarding, the company does a, a number of immersion conversations. And so they encourage you to meet with as many people as you can. And I met with more than 50 folks in the first a few weeks just to say, hey, what is top of mind for you? What can we be doing? What does social impact mean to you? And and what have you seen that Lob is uniquely positioned for? And that was really helpful because it not only gave me the perspective of we definitely need to look at more sustainability, we have this opportunity in civic action, but also getting a sense of the culture and how to navigate some of these conversations. And so, you know, I was really fortunate that I didn't hit a lot of the barriers that I think folks uh, tend to assume, like executive team was fully bought in and very supportive. Um, you know, the resource, some resources had already been put aside and, and there has been you know, definitely an open door for me to continue to ask for, for what I need. But I'd say that the challenges initially were focused, figuring out you know what are the areas that we are uniquely positioned to address when there are so many things right now that are top of mind and so many areas where I feel like we all want to play a role in where we can. And I think for us, it was really about how do we determine what we're going to go after, like where we really can pool our resources towards, even though again, there are so many areas that I think we'd want to to pursue and, and we'll continue to encourage our employees to be able to do that. So we have our volunteer time off, Uh, which includes, you know, participating in, in peaceful demonstrations and really want them to be civically engaged, but we will choose the areas that we are going to be really focused on.
0: When it comes to choosing those areas of focus on, how did you initially determine that in terms of where we should put our efforts and our energy and whatnot?
1: It really started with those stakeholder conversations. So like I said, the 50 or so conversations I had with employees across the business and hearing from them what was top of mind. And and a lot of them had been there for much longer than I had. And so hearing some of the pain points, hearing some of the areas that they were starting to identify and then really taking a step back and looking across the board, like what am I hearing a lot of? And then looking at our business plan um and kind of our overall business strategy and saying okay what is it that we're trying to achieve as an organization and how might all of this line up in a way that is going to support all of our goals. And so that is how we landed on the sustainability piece because one thing I saw is that you know especially now so many of our customers have ESG reports or are starting to talk about their own sustainability goals. And so there's there was a really clear connection to me that we could help them better meet their sustainability goals by actually building that into our core product and, and you know, what we're trying to accomplish. And so it, it, you know we're mutually um, able to then hit some of those sustainability goals. So that one felt really clear to me. The racial justice focus area is again from before my time and really the origin of what love for good uh, came from. And so I wanted to make sure we were continuing to honor that and you know I would say as an organization it's something that I've seen that employees are incredibly passionate about and you know we recently joined the the next chapter program with slack and and other companies that's really focused on. um, Changing the stigma around hiring formerly incarcerated individuals and what's cool about that is it's really changed our policies so we're really rethinking like what are inclusive hiring policies Um, and then the third one is specific action And, and, as I mentioned earlier. That came off of talking to employees, looking at our, our kind of business goals, and then doing an analysis over the last year of, you know, where has mail been sent? How is mail being used? And that was a really strong alignment with, again, the, the election year and um, how organizations really, really use mail uh, for important communications and, and change.
0: And so when you think back on your time at Box and now your current role at Lobb, Were there any strategies or just things that you learned while at Box that were just a direct transition over to Lob and creating lob.org? I
1: would say everything I I learned in Box (laughs) I have brought over to to lob.org. And really it's the, I would say the key ones that come to mind are first uh, the power of the collective and knowing that this is um, never supposed to be a team again or a department, it's really about how can we as a community within an organization really bring all of our resources uh, together to make an impact. And so the idea of how do you uh, work closely with employees who, again, none of this is their day job, but how do you make sure that you're really partnering with them in in all of the programs? So that to me, I carried on because it's, Absolutely, how we were able to do everything we did at at Box, um, you know, making sure that we worked closely with marketing on our messaging and had a good sense of, you know, what our what our customers were asking for from our customer success team and on the business development side, you know, what partnerships were they building and what was important to them. So really, again, getting feedback from all parts of the company. The second piece is. Really making sure that we are leveraging experts in the field and not trying to be the experts of all, but they're but really thinking about partnership. And so, you know, we would work with organizations to um, run certain programs or to help elevate our thinking. You know, these organizations that were on the front lines, working either with nonprofits or our nonprofits themselves, and really building that. community of thought so that we were up to date and had a good sense of, okay, here, here's, um, you know, here's what the, the community is thinking about and here's the role that we can play. But again, not feeling like we had to always have the answers, but really had the folks to collaborate with. So I'd say employees and, and really collaborating with them and then developing really strong partnerships.
0: And are you a team of one or do you have a team at love.org
1: Currently a team of one. I uh, meet with, I would say about 25 individuals uh, each week who are very much involved in our lob.org programming, but officially a team of one and hoping that that will grow soon. Um, But I was, I actually waited a bit to put in my headcount request because I wanted to make sure I was really clear on the strategy and what it was that we were going to go tackle in the next, you know, one to three years so that we could bring in the the right person and make sure that they felt really clear on kind of the goals and and responsibilities of their role.
0: So there's going to be a number of listeners that will listen to this episode that are in that same boat. So they're a team of one, they're creating a program at their company. How do you think about headcount? Like which, how, how do you know who to hire to help scale the program? and what what are you, basically what is your vision for for the headcount for lob.org?
1: Yeah, I so as I was mapping out our our potential headcount, I was really looking at what are some of the areas that I personally have gaps, so I'm wanting to bring in someone who could help fill in the areas where I might not be as strong in. Um, so for me that was kind of one of the first analysis is like where where can I bring someone in who can fill these gaps. The second is, you know, what is it that we are hoping to accomplish in the next one to three years? Is it that I need someone who is going to help me think through the strategy? Or do we have a pretty good sense of what we at least want to, to do for the next one to two years? And do I need someone who is a really strong program manager who can help to, to push these uh, goals and kind of the programs that we're building forward? And where I landed is, you know, at least for now, I am looking for someone who is going to be a thought partner, but also can be very, Um, execution driven. And so I am, you know, when I get to the point of hiring, I'm looking for someone who is going to be a really strong program manager and can actually act more like a generalist. And I think that's pretty common is to hire someone who can kind of help be uh, the person that goes across all of the different focus areas initially. And then as we grow, um, I have it in the plan to actually get to be more specific and have someone who is really focused in each of the focus areas that we've determined but that will take time, right? Like I wanna make sure that we have the person that can help kind of pivot as we need to and address whatever programs are at hand initially. And then we'll, we'll as we grow and, and our programs become more specific, then I'll, I'll start to look for those areas of expertise.
0: So you have a lot of experience in social impact. And so what advice would you give somebody who is either entering the social impact role or it's currently early on in a social impact role at their company and they're building a program from scratch. What advice would you give them in terms of building and scaling a program?
1: My first piece would be to know the business really well and to have a really strong sense of what unique resources you have. And so I would say at some companies, if you know the goal is retaining and attracting talent. You know we've seen in many studies that p- people are looking for companies who are taking a stand who are taking action. And so really knowing the, the business goals allows you to make that case to executives because that's one of the things I hear a lot from folks that are trying to to start a program is, okay, what well, where should I start? And and really, I always like to turn the question on like, well, what is your organization trying to achieve? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? And then how does social impact play into that? Because there are really, great studies out there to show how, you know, companies who have purpose built in are, you know, more likely to attract and retain great talent. You know, you see that they're performing better um, and that investors really care a lot about that as well. And so I'd say if you're already in the role and you're looking to build it, like very much align yourself with business goals and priorities. And if you're looking to move into the role, um, One, I think it's a lot of times easier at an organization that you're already at. And so kind of in line with knowing the business, looking and seeing if there's an area or a challenge that you can potentially help address uh, through a social impact lens. And so again, that could be in building a volunteer program so that there's more engagements and community building. Uh, It could be, again, looking at your product and saying, hey, let's run a pilot and see how our product might help certain organizations And I've seen that the stories that you're able to tell from working with nonprofits are always powerful and oftentimes the ones that are most referenced. And so like, as you can continue to show the value to the business, I think that helps to justify the creation of a role and more investment in a program.
0: Amazing. Okay. Last question for you. So you've been in the role in social impact for quite some time now. What is the most fulfilling thing about being in a social impact space?
1: For me, the most fulfilling thing in social impact is really the community building. And I mean that both internally and externally. So internally, I love getting to meet with employees and foster the passions that they have and to really build those relationships because to me, it's so powerful when you can kind of be the convener of folks who have incredible ideas. Again, I will never take credit for those but if I can help to foster that, That to me is incredibly important so internal community is key externally what i love about the social impact space is we are constantly sharing best practices and we're in this for the the common good and i know that sounds really cheesy but like i have been in the room with folks who would be considered competitors right like in no other setting are you convening around a table and yet because of the social impact space you are able to sit next to each other and work towards a common goal in a way that just doesn't happen in any other department and so the ways that community shows up and the ways that we're able to work towards you know a, a common goal and a common um, theme is it's just so exciting to me and it's really what fuels me on a day-to-day basis
0: amazing well christina That's all I have for you. Thank you so much for chatting with me and taking us inside of lob.org. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will learn a lot too. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me on. And and if anyone is interested in learning more, I'm always happy to uh, have a conversation or, you know, in the the social impact channel, always happy to, to connect with folks.
0: This episode is brought to you by social impact world, the exclusive community for social impact leaders to learn more go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.